you remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago? We're going through Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16, and we're looking at the five-fold ministry gifts of Jesus. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at a specific gift. Does anyone remember what that is? Yes. Both of you. That was awesome. <laughs> prophets. The prophets. Not prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T, but prophet, messengers of God. Uh, those that speak for God, those that speak to the people about what, what's on God's heart. And so I'm going to continue this message because I, I got to the call of the prophet, the development of the prophet, but I really missed out on actually probably the most important part, which is the heart of a prophet. Because the heart of a prophet is the, the vessel through which God translates his message. The heart of a prophet is the vessel through which God translates his message. And if the heart isn't clean, if the heart isn't motivated, intending to speak how God speaks, then the message can get lost in translation. So the heart of a prophet is the vessel through which God speaks. We're in Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 and 12 is our theme for this series, and I'll read it again to you. And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, in other words, the fivefold ministry exists to equip. The fivefold ministry exists for you. <laughs> that each one of you might understand your calling and your purpose and be equipped for the work that God has called you to. And so my role as one of these fivefold gift people is to equip you that you might do the work of ministry. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. So this is a message I'm giving to you, but it's actually for you. So we've been looking at the fivefold gifts of Jesus, and throughout history, prophets are called to be the messengers of God. And some, sometimes prophets will foretell about the future. God will give them messages about the future, and sometimes prophets will foretell or speak the truth about the present. Prophets will often move in discernment and wisdom, and again, they are vertically connected and horizontally connected. Vertically connected to God, often um, convicted with deep prayer and worship and time with God. Prophets need time with God. They're always looking for time with God. And then secondly, prophets speak horizontally to the people. If you'd like more on that, I explained a lot more a couple weeks ago. I'm just bringing some of you up to speed. So in other words, a prophet must not only hear what God is saying, but he or she must understand the heart of God in what he is saying. Luke 6.45 says that a good person out of the good treasure in his heart or her heart 
produces good. And the evil person out of his or her evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his or her mouth speaks. And so as a prophet is hearing God speak to them, the word is actually translated through a human being, through a personality, through this person's heart, and is then delivered. And a lot of times the message is spoken from God, and as it travels through the heart of a person, it can be delivered in the wrong way. Have you ever experienced this? None of you? Just me. I have. A good word delivered in the wrong way can become a wrong word. I just realized that this new iPad that they bought me is actually magnetic. It actually is magnetic. It actually like sticks to the podium. Very distracting. This is not good for me. I'm definitely going to be playing with this the whole time. Back to the message. The heart of a prophet is just as important as the hearing of a prophet. The heart of a prophet reflects the heart of the father. And as a prophet pursues the gifts of the spirit, he or she must pursue the fruit of the spirit. As a prophet is called and developed, the greatest development he or she can go through is inside. Because love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control is the heart of a person. I read this quote recently. A friend sent me an article from Carrie Newhoff, and this quote is amazing. It says, it's way too easy for your platform to outgrow your character. It's way too big for your platform, your place of influence, to outgrow your character. In other words, what's happening within, what's happening on the inside, in your inner world, in your development in the fruit of the Spirit, is more important than what we do. Because that's who we are. And we minister from who we are. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of what's inside comes outside. Everything that's within my heart will eventually make its way to my hand. And as God is speaking to me for you, or God is speaking to you for others, it is translated, it is passed through your inner world. And so it's important to develop the fruit of the Spirit. I'll give you an example. If I am praying with someone and I'm praying over them and I, I sense the words new job, new job, this is the revelation. And if I go back to God and I'm looking for the interpretation, 
so that we'll find the application. Remember, we went over that two weeks ago, the revelation, interpretation, and application. So if I have the revelation, which is new job, and I go back to the Lord and I'm listening, I could sense, oh, he has greater opportunity for you. I could say to the person, God has an open door for you. I could say to the person, God has a a new opportunity in a new town or whatever. Or I could just say to the person, you're really terrible at your job. See, what happened there? God does have a new job for the person, but unfortunately, I've I've got this wounding because I was fired from my previous jobs at the grocery store many times. And, And as I'm filtering this word through my life and my experience, sometimes a good word from God passed through the wrong vessel can become the wrong word. And if I say to the person, you're just horrible at your job. That's the wrong translation. I know, it's so funny. That's what I thought. But in 1 Corinthians 14.3, Paul tells us the purpose of prophecy. He says the purpose of prophecy is to speak to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. In other words, prophecy is meant to build up, stir up, and cheer up. Build up, stir up, and cheer up. The the word up building means to literally build a structure. In other words, as somebody is coming to me and I have a word from the Lord, I'm filtering it through, how do I build this person up? How do I add structure to their life and help them grow? Or encouragement or exhortation, which can be encouragement through correction. How can I cheer this person up with what God is saying over their life? Build up, stir up, and cheer up. Now, a great example of the heart of a prophet is found in the story of Jesus with the woman at the well in John 4, which we're going to get to in a moment. This is the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this story is going to be found in the fourth chapter of the fourth book in the New Testament. And I believe that as we study the heart of a prophet, how can we not look at the prophet, which is Jesus? And just before we get there, I want to turn our attention to a statement that Jesus makes about himself in John 14. In John 14, verse 6 and 7, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When Jesus says the way, the truth, and the life, I've always read these these words as like the initial salvation message, that when people come to Jesus, they experience him as the way, the truth, and the life. But as I was reading it, something jumped out at me, and I began to see that actually prophecy is that we would guide people in the way, that we would speak the truth. And that we would speak life over people. And so the heart of a prophet is to show people the way to speak the truth and to speak life. 
And if I'm praying for someone or I sense a word from, for someone, I'm going to filter it through this, the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, what are you saying about their way, their life, their direction? God, what lies is this person believing? What truth do you want to speak, Lord, to any lies that these people are, might be believing? Or God, what is the life that you want me to speak? Prophets speak life. Turn with me to John chapter 4. In verse 7, John writes, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. First of all, if we just pause there, it's important to recognize that Samaritans, people from Samaria and Jews, did not relate to one another. They didn't get along. Jews saw Samaritans as kind of half-breed people because they intermarried with the Assyrians. In the 8th century BC, when the Assyrians attacked Jerusalem, some of the Jewish people stayed. They weren't exiled. And those that stayed intermarried with the Assyrians. So the Samaritans were looked at as kind of half-breed. A Jew and a Samaritan would never be caught talking together. And so this simple phrase, a woman from Samaria that Jesus is sitting with, Reveals the heart of a prophet. The heart of a prophet crosses boundaries. The heart of a prophet sees people for who they really are. Not where they came from. Not their background. Not their culture not the language that they speak. The heart of a prophet lays down prejudice, racism, social injustice, all of these things. The heart of a prophet is to correct what is broken in humanity. The heart of a prophet is not to point out the brokenness in humanity. That is merely observation. Anybody can walk out and watch the news and tell us that the world is falling apart. Anyone can do that. That's observation. That's not revelation. Revelation is seeing past what is on the outside, seeing past cultural differences, seeing past languages that are different, seeing past race, past gender, past sexual orientation, past all of that. The heart of a prophet crosses those boundaries. Jesus is presenting to us the heart of a prophet. And simply a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well to drink from and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. The woman is saying, wait a second, what about tradition? What about history? What about the past? What about all this? Wait, Jacob, she's going back to history. She's going back to the divide between Jews and Samaritans. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks from this water, the sermon just for a moment is going to actually become prophetic. Don't look at your notes. But Jesus is saying to whoever drinks from this well, the well of tradition, the well of what we're used to, the well we've always drawn from, the well of separation. Jesus says, whoever drinks from this well, he's not talking about H2O. He's looking at a woman from Samaria saying, whoever drinks from this well of divide, racism, social injustice will never be satisfied. I never saw that until right now. The water that I will give him or her will become in him or her a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. What Jesus is saying is, is I'm going to fill you not with a well, not with a reservoir, not with something that you dip into and is eventually empty. I'm going to fill you with a river, an ongoing, ever flowing river of fresh water. The difference between a river and a well is that when you dip your cup into a river, it is always fresh. It is always new. It is always moving. It's always changing. And Jesus says, do not dip your cup into something that does not last, tradition, races, social injustice, your past, don't dip your cup into that. Dip it into the fresh living water of the spirit that I will fill you with. And Jesus then says to her, go call your husband. <laughs> oh boy. The thing to realize about this is Jesus could have come out with, with these words of correction very early on. But what he did was he offered her grace. He offered her love. He offered her salvation before he asked her to correct her life. The heart of a prophet is hopeful for restoration. The heart of a prophet is not hopeless. If I hear prophecy that simply points out to me the hopelessness of society, I don't receive it. Why? Because again, that's merely observation. I can get that from the news. No one has to tell me there's sin in this world. We live in a sinful world. What I need to do as the heart of a prophet is I need to be finding solutions for the brokenness, healing for the hurting. 
The heart of a prophet is to bring a light into the darkness, not to tell everybody it's dark. We're living in the last times. Of course we are. Haven't we for 2,000 years? Look when Revelation was actually written. We've been living in the end times forever. It's been dark forever. The most glaring misuse of prophecy is hopelessness. A prophet should be the most hopeful person in the room. Why? Because prophets see restoration before everyone else. Criticism, suspicion, judgment, and gossip are all counterfeits to true discernment. True discernment is hopeful. True discernment speaks the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus walked this earth to provide to us what a prophet looks like, he was always hopeful. He provided the ultimate solution for brokenness. That in the cross of Jesus Christ, in his blood shed, in the resurrection, Jesus conquered sin and sickness and death. Jesus was the walking embodiment of the heart of a prophet. Now, this doesn't mean prophecy isn't corrective. <laughs> it just means prophecy begins with hope and ends in restoration. A prophet speaks conviction in love. Just in case you might have misunderstood me. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 23 to 25, if you want to read a chapter on prophecy, read 1 Corinthians 14. If you want to read a good chapter on the gifts, read 1 Corinthians 12, and then love, 1 Corinthians 13, prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14. Paul tells us in, in 14, verse 23 to 25, if therefore the whole church comes together, so imagine, imagine that the whole church is together here like this, and imagine all of us are speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a spiritual language. It's a language of the spirit. It's not a language that is necessarily understood with the brain. It's a language that's understood in the spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come into a person and give a person a new spiritual language. It's the language by which the Holy Spirit is communicating to God the Father through human beings. He says, imagine that the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers come in. Will they not say that we are all out of our minds? Yes, they will. Yes, because it's weird, right? Seriously, if everybody came in and we're all just speaking tongues and, and we're not actually providing interpretation, they might think we're a little bit odd, right? Yes, but if all prophesy... 
and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he or she is convicted by all, called to account by all, and the secrets of his or her heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his or her face, will worship God and declare that God is really among you. In other words, as we build up, as we stir up, and as we cheer up, and as we are communicating the words of God, the natural result of this communicating the words of God is that people will begin to repent, understanding that God has more for them, understanding that God has more for their life. Last week, we had this installation celebration that even rhymes. That's good. Installation celebration up in here. And it was awesome. And, you know, but it wasn't a usual service. I wouldn't have invited a non-believer to that service. And I was thinking about a friend that was coming that was a non-believer. And they were coming to support us because we're friends. And I remember talking to them after and I... Throughout the service, you know when you invite someone that's not a Christian to church, you kind of brace yourself for 90% of the service, right? You're kind of wondering what they're going to think and what's this and the songs are being sung and you're like, oh my goodness, Um, like magnify, Christ be magnified. Okay, what are they going to think of that? And and I'm going through all this, right? It's like eminence. I think one of the words in that song is eminence and you're dissecting it all. And and then I'm thinking about it and like a whole bunch of people gave me gifts last Sunday. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, like I got an iPad. What are you going to think of that? And a clock random and this big metal thing, like for a non-believer, it's like, what is this stuff? What is going on here? And I'm thinking about all the questions I'm going to have to answer, right? Enjoyed the day, don't get me wrong, but just knew I'd have a lot of questions. And I saw them later in that day, and, and she's like, I, I cried the whole time. From the second song through the whole thing. I'm like, maybe God had her crying so she wouldn't see everything. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, but the point is this. The point is like, when people come in, the prophetic opens up the atmosphere to the presence of God as God begins speaking. And as God begins speaking, and as we kind of get out of the way, this whole week we've had this sermon that the Lord, I think, is doing in us and and shared with me, but I shared with the worship team and I shared at AGM about making space for him. And it's just, I can't stop thinking about it because I think what happens in this, in this passage, what Paul is saying is, is if you would just make space for God to speak, people that don't know him will come in and their hearts will just be open to him in this environment And they will be convicted and will turn their lives around. Jesus continues this interaction. And Jesus said to her, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. 
And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Jesus just reads her mail. But I, I, I have to say this. It's so important to understand what happened before this. What's happening in this situation is called a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is information about a person that you shouldn't know. Like Jesus didn't Google her. Woman at Samaria. She's had five husbands. Okay, she's with a guy. Oh my goodness, there's pictures of, of him with, oh my goodness. And he's like, okay. And he like put his iPad away and then he kind of came back to her and said, yeah, boom. No, that's, that's observation. Now, the ironic thing is that everybody in the town could have told her that, right? You know everybody knew her business. You know that's why she was going to the well in the middle of the day when nobody else did. You know that everybody in the town saw her and went, five plus six, what? There she is. Jesus didn't say something new to her. Jesus didn't say something that nobody knew. Jesus said what he could not have known, which opened her heart to God. The woman said, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place we ought to worship. She's dipping into that well again. She's going back to that well. She's going back to her past. She's going back to tradition. And Jesus says, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. That's what we did this morning. We worshiped in spirit and in truth. If we're wondering what this kind of worship looks like, that's it. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. I'll close with this. Jesus is revealing to her that God sees her. Again, Jesus is not speaking mind-blowing information this woman does not know. He, Jesus is sitting with God, and the Bible says that Jesus says that he constantly listens to the Father, and he does only what he hears the Father saying to him. Jesus says, apart from me, I can, apart from the Father, like I do nothing on my own accord. Apart from him, I say nothing, I do nothing, and Jesus is constantly connected to the Father. And in this moment, he is listening to the Father for this woman. 
Jesus' goal isn't to simply point out what is wrong in her life. Jesus' goal is to point out the destiny that she has in her life. And as he is interacting with her and having this conversation with her about her life, something opens up within her. And this woman who was rejected, this woman who lived from her past, this woman who lived out of tradition, this woman who went to the same well, it even says she left her jars there. She didn't even go home with water. She received what she needed. And this woman who was rejected, it says this in verse, she left the jars. She went to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? You know what some people in the town probably thought? We could tell you. We could tell you what you've done. What do you mean, come see a man who tell me? Tell, we could all tell you where you've been. We could all tell you the life that you've lived, woman of Samaria. We know your past. We know the men you've been with. We know who you're living with. But there's something different about her. And it says this, Mary, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Hold on. This woman, they believed her? They believed this woman this woman who was rejected, this woman who's going, been going to the same well, they believed this promiscuous woman. Jesus, the heart of a prophet, is more concerned about the destiny more concerned about the way someone is going to be transformed than about pointing out the dirt. This woman gave Jesus access to people that Jews didn't relate to. This woman became the greatest evangelist to the Samaritan people. This woman helped Jesus Live out his destiny to reach all people. This woman. This woman was transformed in this interaction. And Jesus spoke destiny over her life. I'm going to fill you with living water. And she took that living water and she went back to the town. And she must have looked different. She must have sounded different. She was probably glowing. She was probably this living water was pouring out of her. And she was talking about Jesus and how much, how amazing he was. And come, come meet this man who, I don't think Jesus, she said, oh, he just told me everything about my life. I'm sure she said, come meet the Messiah. He is the one. He knows all of us. And he's connecting us to the heart of God come and meet him and all these people come to Jesus this town comes to Jesus this woman is healed of shame and guilt free for the first time and becomes an evangelist 
And I believe that this is the heart of a prophet. The heart of a prophet is not to point out the dirt. It's to find the treasure. I heard it said once this way, and I'll invite the worship team to come up. When we're meeting with someone and and we feel like God is saying something for them, I'm not just trying to pull out the rocks that I see or the dirt that I see. That's like going mining for diamonds. And every time you get a rock, you come out and celebrate. When you go mining for diamonds, you don't come out with every piece of dirt going, look, I found more dirt. That's not the point. The point is to go in and to find diamonds. And prophecy is very much that way. We are looking for destiny. Diamonds in people's lives that God is doing in them and through them. And we're calling that out. And we're mining their lives for the good. And the heart of a prophet is looking for those things in people's lives that God has spoken and that God is doing. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you see us the way we are, that you call us, that you have sat down with each one of us at our wells. That you've looked into all of our hearts, Lord. That you've shown us the way, the truth, and the life. That you have new things for us, Lord. Destiny that you're speaking over us. And I pray even now, Lord, that as we're sitting here, as you're pulling at our hearts, Lord, in deeper ways, I pray, Lord, that you would awaken destiny. Speak promise into our minds, into our hearts, Lord. Help us to see what you're doing in our life, Lord. We surrender our past and our present to you right now. And we sit with you at the well. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.